Welcome back to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. We are at episode 107. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business, brand, and big idea. Welcome back to the podcast. Awesome to have you here. I hope that you are doing well. I've had some awesome feedback on the last couple of episodes. I kind of did want to focus a little bit on mindset lately. It's something that I've been doing a lot of personal work on. And so it's also something I've just been thinking about a lot, which is a bit meta, isn't it? I've been thinking about mindset. So so I wanted to share those episodes with you and I hope that they helped you, which was uh, how to obviously honor the commitments that you make to yourself and then the eight mindset shifts that have really helped me in business. And it was really interesting going through them actually, because I think that when you sit down and kind of go, you know, where was I and where am I now? And what have been some of the big things that have really helped me or changed? I think it's always interesting to kind of do a bit of a review, a bit of business and mindset in review. So I think the feedback I got was super positive. And so I think it resonated with a lot of people, which is always great to hear. Now today I have got a special guest on the podcast. In this episode I am speaking with Ram Castillo all about how you can get unstuck and get creative in your business. Now if you don't know Ram he is an award-winning design director, two-time author, speaker, creative live instructor, decision-making coach and approved advisor based in Sydney and he specializes in digital spaces, human-centered design, branding and creative strategy and for 15 years he's been working for global agencies including Ogilvy and Matha, JWT, Saatchi and Saatchi on clients such as Audi, McDonald's, Qantas, Telstra, Google, just to name a few. He's been featured in Apple, news.com.au, Who Magazine, Creative Live, Vivid Festival, the list goes on. But Ram is commonly known by his podcast, Giant Thinkers, which has hit number three on iTunes in over five countries and currently has 250,000 active listeners. That's nice. I think I'll get there one day. He's interviewed the likes of Kelly Slater, Naomi Simpson, Janine Alice, Stephanie Rice, just to name a few. And his podcast is part of an initiative to provide advice for designers and creatives to navigate towards their desired outcomes via giantthinkers.com. His focus now is to help decision makers, business owners, leaders and organizations get unstuck lightning fast through coaching, consulting and advisory. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about a little bit about what's happening at the moment and how to get unstuck in the current situation or when things kind of get turned on their heads. We're going to be talking about how to think creatively and be really resourceful. And as you know, I'm loving all things brand leadership. So I'm asking him who are brand leaders that he loves and what is it that he loves about them as well. So It's going to be a long episode because we do natter on in this, which I really enjoyed our conversation. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Ram, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Suze, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, Now, I actually, I feel like I kind of uh, semi-online stalked you because I saw that you had been working with Anita from WordFeddy. I'm like, "Uh, who is this this person here? So I went and I obviously followed the link that she had. I think you did like an away weekend day with her team or something. Yeah, that's right. So that was a while ago. I'm from Sydney. So yeah, I flew up to the gorgeous Sunshine Coast never been to be honest and I was like how have I never been here this is spectacular and doing more workshop facilitation helping uh, businesses and organizations get unstuck using human-centered design and creative strategy which is my background uh, last 15 years and just trying to apply enterprise level thinking to um, smaller businesses basically 
Yeah, which is super interesting. And so I've given my listeners a little bit of background on you and that, but I'd love to know, why do you do what you do? Uh, To lead with generosity and follow with care. I had to think really in my pursuit for what, what, am, what am I doing this thing for? Like I, uh, that thing being designed for me, it was really, that was the introduction for a, a, a feasible career path. Um, and at the time, uh, and, and I'm happy to, to give like specific context. Like I, I graduated high school in 2003. Uh, I'm currently 34. And I think it's just important because I think we, we can sometimes get too caught up in age or stage or, or like all these things that actually um, hinder us. And I think, well, well no matter what age I, I am or will be or have been, what do I really want to do? And it's the whole big why, you know, the, the, the Simon Sinek uh, Start With Why thing is in there. And I, I watched and listened to so many um, uh, PD uh, courses and whatever when I was like, <laughs> 18 to 20 I just absorbed like Tim Ferriss Anthony Robbins like that's amazing like that's early doors to be getting into that like I feel like normally it's like when we're coming into our 30s or even 40s that we're like oh like why am I doing what I'm doing whereas when you're like that young you're just like let's make money let's get some experience let's just get this life thing started so what made you dive into it that early well, to, to be honest, I think it was not, I think uh, more than more, I'm reaffirming this belief. Uh, my background is Filipino. So mm. my mom is one of five dad's one of 11. Mum had a father that wasn't really ever around and a mum that, that had to hustle literally Sue's like she had her little corner sari sari store, they call it where she was selling a liter of milk in batches of plastic bags. Hmm. right? Like that was like the hood style back then. It was third world country still is, but they're developing rapidly and it was just making do. So she would sew uh, and alter clothing while taking care of five little kids. And my mum would say to me growing up, like uh, sometimes we'd have a tablespoon of peanut butter and, and just a bit of bread to share. She got thirsty. So thirsty one day she opened up the cupboard and drunk soy sauce at like seven. And now she hates soy sauce. And I'm like, I still love soy sauce personally. But, um, and so that was like the real deal. And my dad, on the other hand, one of 11, he, his father passed away when he was three. And it was just like, you, you grow up hearing that and you grow up hearing stories of, um, you know, what, how did you respond to situations? You know, when his mum passed away, when he was 18, 19, he was at university and then he, I go, what what did you do? How did you grieve? And he was just like, I just went back to uni the next day. It's it's like, they didn't even have the option or luxury. They just had to keep moving. Mm -hmm. And I kind of inherited a lot of that grit, but also the appreciation coming to Australia when I was one years old, I, realized the more I grew up and importantly, when I revisited Philippines for the first time, I was 15. I was like, I could have been any one of these kids. And so just the zoomed out lens of what vantage point are you looking through really helped me to yes, dream big, keep your head in the clouds, but keep your feet on the ground and, and work like nothing is going to be handed to you. And I was never the, I was the, the shortest in primary school, got, got bullied, broke my arm three, two, three, two times. Uh, and, and the third time before the age of 11, 16 stitches, like it was like, a, it was rough. Like I don't, I, it was just, I was never the type of person that really was great at sport or highly intelligent and won academic awards. Like, nah, that was not me, but I really was just great at art. Yeah, And I just constantly made and played and just, I was always playing with different things and making cities with empty tissue boxes and toilet paper rolls. Like, yeah. And yeah, yeah so that, that's kind of how I got that, you know, lead with generosity, follow with care. You can have little and still be insanely happy. And I've seen that with uh, my, my culture. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I've heard so many people, I was even listening to an interview with Tones and I, who's a singer last night. I don't know if you saw it, but she was like, when I was busking on the street and living in hostels, I was happier than I've been since I've had success. 
And I just thought that's kind of really sad, but I just think it's really interesting that yes, with very little, you can be really happy as well. Absolutely. I think it's also not to say that, you know, like what, um, going back to Robbins, he, he said this thing that that's really stuck by me. Like money doesn't, money isn't evil. It amplifies who you really are. Right. So we've heard him say that if you, if you're a follower of him and it's just like, that's so true. Like, yeah. So I think, um, for, for me, and I love the name of your podcast, by the way, Brand Builders Lab, because it's in through design. And I actually studied graphic design because that was all that was available back then that, that was commercialized. But through that approach of design thinking, I was able to apply this iterative process in things and looking through the lens of, of um, revisit, improve um and then there's a framework that, that a lot of designers use which is called the four d's and you might have heard of it it's, it's discover phase um where you're just gathering information research and all that then you're defining well what is it that i'm trying to solve um and 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 basically come up with a hypothesis or a viewpoint and then the third phase is design the thing a, 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 an iteration of it a prototype if it's a product and then the fourth is deliver distribute that and, and see how it goes then then loop back so yeah I, I love that approach um which ties into this whole lab making thing that uh that's in your uh theme yeah I mean for me I just think that the market changes too quickly on a consistent basis but anybody to say at any one time I've got everything totally figured out and so for me, I'm just like, you know, something, what we did last year may not work this year. And so we're going to get back in the lab and like your four Ds, you've got to like do that discovery again and kind of, you know, iterate and make sure that you're taking what's working and keep doing it and changing and shifting what's not. So yeah, I love that. And I, and I think that any business that's not doing that is probably missing out on how they can keep being at the forefront of what's happening in their industry as well. So yeah, I'm a big tester. Totally. Love it. <laughs> so I guess my question, my question right now is how are you? Like, how are you going in the current COVID climate? Uh, so I guess for, for me, I, I'm doing good as, uh, and I, and I, I'm not just saying that just mm. forcing a, a good response, yeah. but I have had that time to, as many have like, just go, shit, is this actually happening? Like, I swear this is, I am legend meets bloody all those other crazy movies. And, um, so I had that time, but also I think as a business owner, you get really quick at going, okay, after you've cried and and rocked in the bathroom, um, (laughs) what are you actually going to do? And it's, it's scary. It's all the feels, all the emotions, but I think at the same time, um, it's recognizing, uh, that you do have control over how you respond. So, you know, I, I've tried to focus on that why that I mentioned, you know, leading with generosity, following with care. So just reaching out to all my friends, clients, peers, and, um, just, just a gentle check-in. And, and, um, I think one of the biggest things to ensure that we're doing as brand builders as well is to ensure that we are um, not being uh, heavily profiteering in it in a unnecessarily right like obviously there are plenty of solutions to problems worth paying for no doubt um, but at the same time it's to more so understand that this is probably going to be a long-term play that uh, the equity that can come out of a, a six month strategy for building loyalty will actually pay off later on. So don't panic, breathe all those things. Um, so what are the initiatives in my mind that I was thinking and, and that I'm sharing with others to, to help. So, you know, one thing is I, I started a webinar for the first time and, and I got, you know, some peers that I've shared on my podcast, um, Naomi Simpson, Red Balloon, uh, founder of Noshu, Rachel Bajada, and, and Stefano de Blasi, who owns nine restaurants. So I tried to collate and just kind of just put together a panel. And yeah, I did that. And there were 125 Aussie business owners that turned up. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, and so many people really being vulnerable and a lot of them just really wanting to feel support because, you know, and, and, and we're, we're all in different stages of that process. But I think there's really three buckets of survival phase where you really have to look at your P and L and all that good stuff. 
go through the numbers and do the practical, but also look at the, um, the, the offense and defense initiatives there. I can unpack that in a bit. Um, and then there's the transition period of what are we actually going to do to, as a business, as a brand to, um, to develop uh, what will be the third thing, which is the new world. Because just like, I guess, similar to 9-11 when pat-downs and high security were really weird. It was like foreign to us at first, but now it's just totally normal. And some countries walking around with the high security with armed forces or whatever, it's kind of like, that's kind of the norm now. So, you know, I don't, I don't see um, there being us operating in the way we were, especially when there's going to be uh, an increase of needing to to have a distance. So there's things like voice technology that's going to be crucial, or gesture-based technology where it's touchless. You know, from from lifts right through to whatever you know, temperature control in in certain areas. Like there's this is just opened up an enormous amount of opportunity as well. Yeah, and I mean, I know that you talk about getting unstuck, uh, like on your socials and things like that. Um, and I know that obviously you did the Aussie business owners live Q and A that you've just mentioned. What were some of the nuggets that came out of that? Because really that was for business owners who were feeling either stuck or obviously just wanting support, needing some ideas of, of really working out how am I going to get through this? So what were some of the things that came out of that? Well, I guess let's get down to like some practical things, right? Yeah. Like the first thing I, I think stood out was actually from Stefano who had nine restaurants. Now you think, gosh, feeling for restaurant owners mm-hmm. and cafes and all that stuff, the whole hospitality industry. And Stefano is the busiest he's ever been. Why? He's, <laughs> he's, how? Here's he how, right? He totally pivoted into looking at his business as not a restaurant business anymore at all. So he just totally like said, we can't operate that way. So, uh, and it's, a, and this, this goes back to the process that, that I've I kind of can, can um, share a bit later as well, but it's, it's called the lightning bolt method where you interrogate your objectives, you, um, you uh, curate your criteria and then you dismantle your obstacles. So his objective was just to keep staff working partially because he had 300 staff under his belt. Um, so even if he said, you know, my goal is to have them working at least 25%, right? Just to have them get by. Um, and then also just to um, ensure that, um, that he can keep the lights on, pay the bills, that type of thing. So what he did was he turned all his restaurants into grocery stores right and so that's one major thing and things like pasta packs because it's, it's italian so he, he he would create um these five or six dollar pasta dry pasta and sauce and he just bundled them and then sold them on uber so that that was just flying out the door and then um besides that in grocery stores he also was just looking at what's happening in terms of the market so he was like wow meat is going down fast so what about veggies no one's really touching the veggies that much so he made a vegetarian lasagna he sent it to 10 of his um, suppliers or like caterers uh, friends and then they were like love it make us batches of that so then he was creating new products frozen uh, veggie lasagnas basically mm. and that that's going out the door and like he just and and he's waiters and waitresses turned into delivery drivers like he was he moved very quickly into a space um that um is is still the brand but of 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 italian beautiful classic italian food um but he's just catering to to what's um feasible and Mm. and desirable for right now um another thing i guess is just um going back to really the numbers and Naomi touched on this probably more than anyone. It was um, looking at the two sides of your yeah, offense and defense in a way where you've got the defense strategies are looking at your P and L and your line item and literally going through every line and going, what's variable, what's fixed, what mm. can I pull back on? And also what are the costs that were assigned to my six month capital initiative for, for business growth? And how can I use that cash flow into another area? 
Mm. I think that, that she was just, she just got really shark tank practical, right? Yeah. It was amazing. Um, so, so that, and then the, the, the offense side of things is more around um, what are the collaborations, the partnerships, the, the marketing initiatives, how, so she's just trying to just, cause she said that, you know, I'm, I'm a professional speaker as well. She was saying, so she was yeah. going, that's gone. Like no gigs. Yeah. I took a big hit with speaking. There you go. Yeah. And I've, I love your, your talks. I've, I've watched a, a ton online um, as, as we, we kind of uh, met each other and, and developed this relationship. I was like, you are awesome on stage. First, Thank first you. Of all. <laughs> love the energy. And, um, and yeah, it must be so tough, right. For speakers. Um, but what she's doing is again, going back to that principle of build loyalty rather than mm-hmm. aim to profit. And so she's just hopping on every webinar and, and online virtual, you know, gathering that she can. Um, and uh, I guess from Noshu's side, who, who, Rachel Bajada, she has the sugar-free donuts, sugar-free mm. cake mixes, cookie dough, all that. Um, hers was, she's in 2,500 2, stores. So wow. it's, she's, hers is a bit tricky in that she had, um, some ingredients that were just from, that were from overseas and that stopped her, her global supply chain, which is scary. Right. And hers is uh yeah. So, so she's more along the lines of just doubling down on the products that aren't affected. Mm-hmm. It's a good strategy. And just to, just to really focus, focus on that temporarily. Yeah. Um, I, some of the other things that came out were, you know, there, there's so many ideas around, sorry, so many examples of this inaction that, that I've personally observed. Like, yeah, same. Was, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I would love to know some of, some of the highlights for you, but one, one that stood out was like the, the stage making business that, um, that I read, uh, who would make all the big events, uh, all the, the wonderful props for stages, theater plays, concerts, they've, taken huge hit obviously they're in events Mm. and that the founder actually ended up using the same people and processes to create um portable stand-up desks that are flat packed and that you make yourself at home do they look like raw wood kind of like raw yeah raw wood yeah raw wood yeah because I, I just saw someone like one the other day that was basically um like it had two sides and then a number of grooves and so you could then put your like where your monitor sat and where your keyboard sat you could then adjust and i'm like i haven't seen that one before that's really interesting yeah that might be his product or their product i can't remember it's, what it's um called. yeah very lego-esque in that yeah yeah and and ikea i guess type but portable light durable um and they are slammed busy so um yeah yeah amazing well yeah i mean i've kind of seen so one of my clients um sean she's aria photography but she's also got a wedding fair so she obviously lost like months of wedding photography gigs uh and but she's also got a wedding fair which was physical and she uh, yeah, she just went online really quickly. And so she's now run one virtual wedding fair, which is like, I think the first of its kind. And now she's doing the second one as well. So, and, and yeah, she's like, it's had an amazing response. Like the people who were celebrants and florists and all of that, like couples came on and were still booking them for like next year or whatever it was. So it was not only obviously great for her business, but she was supporting the wedding industry by still bringing customers to them in a virtual way. And I was just like, girl, that is amazing. And yeah, she's, I was so, I thought it was just incredible. So happy for her. That's so awesome. Yeah. And seeing people have success with that when, you know, their very first instinct or the very first thing that they've been through is that loss phase it's like going through that loss where I've just lost thousands and thousands of dollars in business. Um, I've lost my customers, but I think I'd love to talk a little bit about this when it comes to being unstuck. It's like the speed at which you can recover or come out of that loss phase. Like what are your thoughts around the process of being stuck or to kind of getting unstuck? Yeah. So 
I, I guess the, the, let's use the framework that I, I described um, yeah. uh, just for some, some sort of um, information that people can grab and go and use, use some of this in, in, and, and, you know, I, I call it the lightning bolt method because I, I believe that there is a way to get unstuck lightning fast. Um, and if, and, and I'll, pa- I'll unpack the three buckets uh, because there's, there's, a, there's a series of questions within this sequential framework um, that's designed to access empowered and informed rapid decisions. So firstly, of course, we've got to define the objectives, but then the key thing is to interrogate them. Um, so when we look at interrogating your objectives, I'm really talking like, don't say that you, you want to make more money, like exactly how much. Mm. Interrogate what the minimum desired outcome is or the minimum viable intent really ask yourself what is the minimum thing that i'm looking to to get out of this situation it's going to change you know just like a soccer player kicking soccer ball around like without goalposts that are clear it's the whole goal setting thing Um, i won't get into it too much but go deeper than just set a goal but make it make it super super tangible and and, and it's okay to put a hundred goals on the wall because the next phase is because sometimes you stop mm. yourself already by not even putting up the goal and you're like, oh, oh, I've just shot myself in the foot there because I've already said that it wasn't possible. So the next phase is the criteria phase. So after defining the, the criteria, curate the criteria. So the other way I look at criteria is um, curating criteria is uh, what are your non-negotiables? So I'm dealing with a business at the moment where they're a startup and they're looking to, to, be, to, to, to tick all these boxes and um, aim big and that's great. But when I asked them the question, what is your propensity for commitment? They said, oh, like we're willing to blood, sweat and tears. And I go, no, what is your actual commitment to this in time, money, energy? And both of them, the two founders have kids and they look shattered already. Mm. And I'm like, be honest with yourself because I have days where I'm like, I have this to-do list and I'm like, I can only give two hours of concentration. Like mm. some days I'm so spent other days I'm like fired up. Um, so really ask yourself, what are the non-negotiables? If you don't have that time or money, that's okay. Because I think another thing that we can go with this discussion is, um, and we kind of spoke off air, but the resources Mm. and creativity aspect. Um, And and I think there's something in having limitations where you can actually be highly creative. Um, And the third bucket merges into the, um, the define what your obstacles are, but then dismantle them. So in other words, what's the root cause do like literally do a root cause analysis. Like, is this me just making this up? Is it internal? Is it external? Uh, what are the resources I can have? Can I tap into my network? Am I just being like slacking off and finding an excuse not to do this saying that it's too hard? You know, like when I wrote my first book and I've got two out, but when I wrote that, I like, I'm not a writer. I'm not a formally trained writer. I'm not a formally trained speaker. I kind of just, again, focus on how can I help people if this is how it unravels and expresses into the world. Great. But I'm just trying to share my story. I'm not sharing like this is the golden rule. It's just share your experience and the whole, your vibe attracts your tribe thing you've got a massive one. And it's, it's just that. So I guess going from stuck to unstuck is really dependent on the objective. Um, what is the, the desired outcome there really? Um, you know, let, is there an example that you think your audience would have? And let's kind of dummy that. An example that my audience would have. I mean, if I'm honest, it's like, I think it's just really looking at, I've lost this income. I've lost like the way that I normally work. And I think it's really kind of looking at like, what are the options that I've got now? So, you know, whether they, you know, especially like let's take the events industry maybe because I've got like celebrants and photographers and like event managers and things like that. And it's just working out like what they can do now. So I love the example that you gave about, you know, the uh, doing the backgrounds for theatre and that. What are, what's that process they can go through based on what you've just sort of shared? Well, it's funny because I... 
A, I've got a, an events business myself, and and B, I um I have some clients who are who are right up there wanting to know this as well. Um, and I've I've helped a, a few recently trying to get through uh, a situation that has already pre-booked and has had sponsors. It's yeah. full on. Yeah. Um, and then people that are actually you know reliant on being a speaker or a facilitator. Um, so the the first thing I think that um, listeners can try is this technique, which is uh, look at look at the camera that you're in and try to to a acknowledge that there's a camera that you can shift. Um, take that camera, and this is a creative uh, technique that I've yeah. used. Where when I look at a problem, I sometimes forget that I can move the camera around, and so and again, I'm trying to give sort of advice for everyone um, that can use this technique, but imagine grabbing that camera and you're seeing a different viewpoint um, all the way through 360. And I bet you're going to start to see through the lens or you're going to see a dimension that you've not seen before. Because when we associate creativity, what we're really associating that to is that it's, it's perceiving something that's new, but the only reason why it's new is because it's disrupting our version of that perception. So I bloody saw masks that had the material, but then there was a layer of transparent see-through plastic or something. And that was for the, um, the hearing impaired because hearing impaired rely on looking at lips. Yeah. Uh, there's so many different ways to tweak what you currently have. So a challenge yourself to look at, get, grab that camera and just really push yourself. Don't put any layers of that's impossible. That's not going to work just and see what comes up. Um, the, in terms of events, um, ask yourself this question, what does the world need now from what, uh, I can offer? Um, so an example, uh, I had a discussion with a, a founder of a, an events company and they had 7,000 people already registered on the week, on the weekend of, of what was going to be 7,000 people with 30 plus sponsors, right? All deals made. Uh, a week before the event, it was going to... Uh, sorry, a week before the event, it was um, lockdown. So you can't have events, right? So devastation, legal mess, like a bunch of stuff. Um, what was going to be, as conferences are, a full day or two of just chockers, epic speakers, mm-hmm. workshops, breakouts, whatever. Um, I just asked the question to this person. Do you think that because obviously the, the obvious thing is just take it online, just chuck, a, chuck it in a bloody virtual whatever yeah. version. But that's not necessarily the answer. And, and also it's not necessarily what will work, um, but it's a part of it. How can you use the means that you have? But what, what we ended up uh, seeing as a feasible option was what was 45 minute slots over one or two days um, of these speakers still get them, but turn it into a 12 week block. Right. So because the appetite of sitting in your own space for eight hours, impossible next to craziness, right? Like it's just not going to happen. So, so that's, that's an alternative. How can you slice the pie? Can you distribute it differently? Can you deliver it differently? It's the same product in a way because people are still seeking for that content or that um, they still would rather something than nothing. Right. Like we seek to hop on a group call now because it's like, it's all we can get. Right. Um, (laughs) And, and so there's, there's, that's one example. Hopefully that's practical. So the content modules that she was having, she's just distributing it out to a long-term play. And speaking of time, really look at this as a long-term play. I think, I think you have to cut, I got my gym membership gone. My, my insurance is lowered. My 
nights where I would eat out and go on date night with my wife on Saturday nights, gone. Like, it's just, you've got to make the sacrifices, but you have to also adapt and, and look at what can you control and what are the things you, you, out there. And, and obviously the big one, which I think uh, you've said on your, your podcast a few times, Suze, it's just like, ask your audience. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah what what do you need and i'll be honest i was i was thinking of doing like a group coaching because a lot of people were doing that and my audience is primarily one-on-one so i've had one-on-one coaching clients for eight years uh, and i asked them if they wanted to do a group thing and more than ever my audience anyway and but i've seen others thriving group coaching Mm. who are launching recently and they're killing it Mm. but my audience were like no i i I don't think i'm actually going to get help from group. I like, I love the one-on-one that I can get from you. Mm. And I was willing to like cut the price and get the group and slice that differently. But I asked literally 20 people in the span of an hour, like literally just called them up, voice message them. And they all said, not interested. Nah. <laughs> like, yeah, fair right. enough. But I yeah. have to also say just with the event stuff as well, do you know who Rachel Hollis is? No, I've not heard of Rachel. Okay, so Rachel Hollis is like a, she's like a life coach entrepreneur in the US. She's got like 2 million followers or whatever. I love her. She's, she calls herself the female version of Tony Robbins. Love it. Um, and she's great. And she runs these massive events. Like I'm talking like Rod Laver Arena, 14,000 people called Rise. And she does business ones and like other ones. Anyway, I would love to go because a lot of the entrepreneurs I follow speak at her event. And, uh, and so I've seen it online. I'm like, oh my gosh, one day I'll get to rise. So anyway, she had one booked, but because of everything that's happened, she's now taken it online. And so I can actually, so I bought my ticket to rise, um, you know, and obviously now she's reaching a whole new audience and she's able to you know connect with people or have people there that physically wouldn't have been able to fly to the US for her uh in-person events so I'm super excited so I think that there are you know there are like you said there are opportunities and I think that sometimes we do look at things like this is how I do it but now it's like well if I can re-envisage that or, or think differently about it, I can actually be accessing a whole new audience and I could be accessing like a whole new way of thinking and doing things. And obviously I realise that that doesn't work for everybody, but I have been really excited by some of the things that I've seen, which, mm. um, which I kind of think is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Like we're only six weeks in. And like you said, if this does or not if, but as this continues, I think that it'll be really interesting to see how people start to, I guess, yeah, change the way that they think and come up with new ideas as well. Yeah. And I think you tapped on something really important, which is that this, this person, what was her, her name again? Rachel, Rachel Hollis. I'm going to have to check her out straight after this. I'm a <laughs> freak, She's great. Uh, I love Robin's that. fan. Yeah. So, um, so it's interesting, Rachel, um, you just said has, um, opened up the doors to uh, a delivery method that hadn't been accessible Mm. or or available to us prior. And there's something in that um, besides looking at other ways to distribute, which we've kind of tapped on with the examples earlier, but also um, she, to be fair, sounds like she has developed a brand that could do that. And so it's important just to ask the question, where are you in your business life cycle? Um, because obviously there's a difference between startup and establishment phase to, to, um, growth, expansion, maturity, exit strategy. Like there's, so that's another piece of advice I'd, I'd ask, um, your audience to think about maybe just, you know, where am I in my business life cycle? Um, form a viewpoint. It's a hypothesis at the end of the day, test, be in that lab. Mm. And also, and, and, and don't be afraid to try. Like I think as business owners, something might launch and if we fail or we think it's a failure because it didn't hit the numbers, it's like there are so many failures I've had in business that has enabled me personally to learn and, and move forward that no, no book or podcast would have helped me with. So I just want to also tap into that like, 
we're human beings. Like feel everything, arrive at everything that you feel because the alternative is to feel numb or to, or to, to miss out. Like, you know, now I'm getting bloody Robins on, 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 <laughs> I love it. You're talking to the right girl. I am all about fail, fail fast, try again, do something different, like test, ask. I'm all about that. I just, so it's awesome. And I kind of feel like that was the perfect segue. Um, My audience currently knows that I'm slightly obsessed with talking about brand leaders and brand leadership uh, because I did do a survey with my audience and that was something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, and a lot of my audience are really looking to become brand leaders. And so when you were sort of talking about where are you in that sort of life cycle of your business, uh, I think that that's a great sort of way for us to talk about it. Like who are the brand leaders in your opinion or in your world that you admire and what is it about them that you think makes them brand leaders? Hmm. Uh, so two people come to mind straight off the bat, Tim Ferriss and Chase Jarvis. Yep. Um, I think what makes them stand out and what makes them great brand leaders, in my opinion, is that um, there is a sense of ownership of what they are and what they aren't. So I guess if you compare those, anyone that you have in your head, if you do know Tim Ferriss's work or... Chase Jarvis's work, you'll notice that they're not Gary Vaynerchuk's, right? Yeah. But I love Gary V as well. And I've been to VaynerMedia twice. And the, the, the reality is um, when we, my, my perception of brand is that it's the, it's the meaning that people attach to your entity, whether it's you or the company or the business that you, that you have. And so in that space, obviously there's, there's the personality values, mission, uh, purpose, all those things. And then the expression of that um, lives in website content, et cetera. But, but I guess what I think makes Tim, so let's, let's focus on Tim. So he's started with the four hour work week and he, he had always been a brand that was branded as the human guinea pig. So he would be the one to test stuff mm-hmm. and he's a freak. Like he would like, inject blood out and just see what enzymes or whatever is in his blood and then test that with his scientist friends. And then he'll try some supplements, you know, like, like a chemist, his house was a chemist. Uh, he, he would, he would say in, in some of his podcasts or, or he would just test up. Now he's playing instruments with the, that. Like I watched this video where he's playing these instruments. It's like a percussion instrument and it's just crazy. So, so, Yes, he started with four hour work week, which was about like setting yourself free from the nine to five, but um, he's still about making sure that he's giving people information around his, um, his ideology of, of, of you can learn anything, right? Um, Chase Jarvis, on the other hand, famously known as a photographer, but also is the founder and CEO of, of Creative Live, but he is now more than ever, you know, also a facilitator of conversations just mm. like this. And and I think um, what makes, again, playing, I think a couple of things, playing to your strength, you know, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, like I actually had seen like an influx of carousels, let's say on Instagram for the last two years, three years, heavily carousel, carousel. And I actually wanted to do that because everyone else was doing it, but I can't seem to get into the carousel thing. Like I can't, I'm just being honest. Like so many of my designer friends are carousel crazy. And I'm like, whoa, like you guys are really awesome at carousels, but I prefer just Instagram stories and just hopping on and just, and uh, like do what works for you. There's no pressure. I think we have to detach ourselves from the expectations of others and just go, actually, I, I do have a voice for podcasting, then do it. Or I, think I'm pretty good on camera, well then do it. Like, uh, and, and the question I get in Q and a a lot when I speak is, is how did you write your first book? Or how did you do your online course or whatever? It's like, I just did. It like, just worked like, it out. Yeah. yeah. And it's less about asking for permission. Yeah. It's more about just show up every day and you become a writer, show up every day and you become a content creator, whatever it is. Um, so I think, yeah, that, the, the crux of, of what I think makes a good brand leader is 
diving into your authentic self, go down your own truth barrel, because even if it doesn't hit the likes or the view count, you know, deep in your heart that you went and you gave value. Um, one of the topics I, I spoke about recently at Vivid Festival last year and, and Emergence Creative Festival as well in Western Australia was don't aim to make a million dollars, aim to help a million people. Because when you put people over profit, it funnily enough, what my point was, it does become profitable. Yeah. (laughs) It's, um, it's that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always talk about the fact that I, for me, brand is about the emotional connection that I have to something. It's like everything that you talk about, you, your values, the way that you show up, the stuff that you share, the experience that I have, wherever I am online or flying with you, just makes me want to be more kind of in your stratosphere. Like that for me is, you know, I always joke around and say, Gorman is the only brand that can send me a hundred emails a day and I don't unsubscribe because for me, there's like an emotional connection to wearing, like it's wearable art for me. It's an expression of myself, my personality, who I am. And so I love what they do. I love their collaborations, all the rest of it. Um, And then people like Rachel Hollis, there is that, like I have that emotional connection to the fact that she's a mom and the fact that she is like totally like killing it when she's standing in front of 14,000 like women in a stadium. And I'm like, go girl. So, you know, it makes me, it then makes me want to buy from her or it makes me want to be more in whatever she is that she's doing. And so for me, when I think about brand leadership as well, I feel like it's you rising above the functional bits and pieces of what you do and how you do it to have an opinion and be really connected and emotional about what you're here to do and say and um, share. And so that for me is kind of something that excites me. Um, and And I just kind of think about, you know, even my audience and I'm like, I love what you do. I think that you're awesome at it. How do you like almost rise to that next level to be seen as somewhere where people are like, I just want to be around you and listen to what you say and hear your thoughts and opinion and, and be part of that dialogue with you as well. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I, just... I think you, like you, you hit the nail on the head perfectly there because the funny thing is when you are your authentic self, not only, not only do you show up to your best work, but also you will attract like-minded people. And when we look, about, look at brands, so if you look at the brands that you follow and you ask the question, you know, what, why do I love those people that I um, am subscribed to? It's because they're an extension of yourself. Yes, it's totally. The shared, the shared values, the shared vocabulary. Um, and, and yeah, it's, you hit the nail on the head on that. The, the emotion comes naturally, organically. Um, and it's fine. I think that's the other thing. It's, it's fine that like most of the population won't follow you or agree with you, but that's not the point, yeah. right? Like the, the point is if you are true to yourself, then you are going to arrive at the two-way streak of your you're ensuring that you're fulfilled by delivering, contributing in your version of happiness, success, all that stuff. But then there's the other part, which is that you don't really have to try to convince people. In fact, you shouldn't. Like, it's just, it's the, it's the, it's the extension of themselves, which is, which is, yeah, I think important. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. That's a good way to kind of express it. Because I always say people buy what they want to be, do and have, but that's a simpler way of saying it. <laughs> This is, this is our brands collaborate, co- co- yeah. Yeah, smashing together. That's good. <laughs> no, I love it. That's so good. Um, that, that was, I feel like that was such a good conversation for my audience as well in regards to how they can be thinking a bit differently and creatively. Um, and some of those examples that we've given hopefully inspires them to think a little bit differently and maybe come up with new ideas. But I know that you're all about the connection and continuing the dialogue as well, Ram, which is awesome. So where can my listeners find out more about you? Where, they, where can they connect with you and, and continue that conversation? 
Uh, I think Instagram is uh, really where I think uh, hopefully it's a halfway point um, where people are active in there. And I certainly enjoy Instagram out of all my uh, socials. So the giant thinker, uh, I can search my name, Ram Castillo, my, uh, my bold head will pop up. Um, but yeah, send me a message. I think um, that's what this is about for me. It's ensuring that we're creating meaningful connections and, um, and supporting each other. Um, and, and, you know, if, if, if there's something that's triggered in you, send me a DM. I have a, a, a leave no comment and DM behind uh, policy, you know. <laughs> Same. Uh, because like people, right, like people have spent time writing something and reaching out. So I really do appreciate um, those messages and, yeah, feel free to, to write in. Fantastic. Well, we will have all of your links uh, in the show notes as well, which people can go and check out. But thank you so much for hanging out today and talking all things creativity and brand leadership and getting unstuck. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Suze. Really, really appreciate you and um, love the work that you do and uh, keep doing it because I'm a huge fan. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoyed speaking to Ram and I find a lot of the things that he posts on Instagram really interesting. He's got some amazing connections. So it's always great to hear from people that we know. We know their brands, their brand leaders in their fields. So yeah, really interesting. Definitely check out his podcast and we will have the link in the show notes as well. The other thing is, is that Ram does love to connect. So make sure you go over to Instagram or LinkedIn and go say hi and let him know that you listened to this episode. And if you enjoyed it, then obviously I would love you to share it wherever you like to share it. But if you do share it on Insta stories, then make sure that you tag me as well. Well, listen, I am going to leave it there for this week. I hope that you have an amazing week, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope that you're coping and surviving with everything that's happening, but you know, stay positive and make sure that if you've got any questions or you want to know anything or you just want to say hi, that you hit me up at Suze Chadwick on Instagram and come over and say hello. I would love to say hi. You know, I always love to say hi. And uh, yeah, that's what's happening. So until next week, you keep playing big and branding bold. Bye.